Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Good morning to you. It's the 19th of uh, June, 2018, in case you were not sure. And uh, it's a Tuesday, which means almost always that my sister Susan is joining us. Hi, Susan. Hi, you're very soft, I have to say. It's well, I've been a hard for me to... I've been working out a lot trying to harden up. I don't mean that. I mean the uh volume on your on you, but I'll I'll, I'll Okay. Really okay. Well, um how how you how do I sound now? No different? A little better, thank you. A little better. Okay. All right. Well, you sound okay to me. Good. All right. Um, <clears throat> I'll do this. There. Okay. What? Everything okay? No, much better. I turned up the volume on my handset. Oh. Jeez. <laughs> ah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm, you know. Well. Okay, you go. You okay, start. Okay, I'm sure you've been talking about this endlessly, but I, there's this something that's been bothering me. I actually put something up this morning on Facebook, so I didn't have to say it six times. And that's that people clearly do not understand the difference between law and policy. Okay. And so when Trump says it's the Democrats' fault and there's a law and Sessions says there's a law and we don't have a choice, no, that is their policy. Yes, indeedy, a law does exist, several do. There's some decisions, as a matter of fact. And what law does is it outlines the outside levels of appropriate behavior within a situation. You know, up to and including, depending how it is, i.e. sentencing. If you do a particular crime, uh, sometimes there's zero tolerance in a mandatory testing, but uh, because there's a law that says that, other times... Judges have discretion. Well, discretion. Discretion. At, like, um, for example, uh, when uh, medical marijuana came out, Obama's administration, there's a law that says that marijuana is illegal. It's a Schedule One drug. Nothing's changed. That be that's federal law, but it was the policy of the Obama administration not to enforce that part of the law. As a matter of fact, they stated that policy so the public right. knew how to behave in that situation and what to expect from the government. It was the policy, not the law. Under the immigration laws, all of these laws have existed under Obama. That's true. I think back to Truman, actually. Um, but under the Obama administration, there was a hierarchy of who you prosecuted. Under the so George you, W, even under the George W. Bush administration, there was there was a hierarchy. So yeah, right. they were going after the bad actors. But right. if your only offense was to seek asylum or try and improve your life, you were not thrown into a facility, charged. You were not. Misdemeanors were not considered offenses under these laws. The policy of the administration was to target bad actors. It is currently the policy under those same laws of this administration, and in particularly Jeff Sessions, it's his job, the policy is zero tolerance. The policy is not to have 
any sort of hierarchy in who you're aiming. The policy is to deter anybody from crossing our borders. Jeff Sessions has said it clearly. He has, he's not right. wiggling out from this and saying he's, he's saying that's this right. is what we're doing, um, you know, and that's why I'm doing it. So I don't want to hear Mr. Trump. I don't want to hear, you know, read comments here and there. I don't want any apologist for anyone to say that this is on anyone's plate but this president and this attorney general, because that is the truth. And grown-ups stand behind their decisions. Three-year-olds point and say it's Barry's fault. Well done, Susan. I think we should just end the show there. Uh, yeah, well done. Uh, this, <sighs> David. Yeah, Bro- I mean, I, I, just I, don't, just, you know, I don't. I don't. I don't know why we're talking <laughs> about this. None of us should be talking. Well, we're about talking this. about it because because the White House. <clears throat> keeps promulgating and insisting upon this lie that somehow they, there's a that legislation why would you lie? Needs to if be, you are proud of your position why would you bother to misrepresent it uh, unless you know that you are willfully per- perpetrating child abuse and permanent trauma on children intentionally and I don't care if it's for 24 hours or 20 days or 60 days. I don't care if it's for 15 minutes. I'm going to come over to your house, and I'm going to take your kid, and I'll tell you I'll give them back to you later, and I'm not going to let anybody talk to them or touch them or comfort them. I'm going to stick them in a big room, and I'm just going to look at them. But it won't hurt them. So I don't want people to wince. And I, I want people to do something because we are, we are as a nation perpetrating child abuse on these children. And I, we all have to say something, say something, say something. Okay. Um, I want to say. Okay, now I'll stop. Okay, just for a sec. You've been eloquent. I want to say that a lot of people have been saying things. We, we've heard all uh, all the living first ladies. They, why do they say that all the living first ladies as if a dead first lady is going to make it a says statement? The dead ones were going to speak from the grave. <laughs> I mean, well, I best best Truman came to me the other day and said, <laughs> if I were alive, I'd be on, I'd be yeah. with Barb. Well, I think Eleanor Roosevelt would be really po'd. But yeah, all the living first ladies, as far as we can ascertain, have uh, have made statements to crying, and including our current first lady who I saw one account say how she courageously stood up to her husband by saying, and here's the quote, that she hates to see children separated from their families and hopes both sides of the aisle can finally come together to achieve successful immigration reform. Well, that is so much hooey because that is suggesting that her husband cannot change this with a snap of his fingers. I'm not going to snap because I don't usually do it well. Uh, and that Your is, fingers are so old that they just slide past each other. <laughs> what? There. Listen, that's not it. I could never do it okay. with this lip. What do you mean? Why would they slide if they're old? Oh, because the skin on my fingers is so smooth and thin that I barely have fingerprints anymore. 
Okay, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the the other side of my personality just emerged. I'll try and put it back. Okay, no, that's I, that's quite all right. Uh, comic relief is all always appreciated in these times. Um, but so um, the first lady statement was a bunch of crap. Uh, and then you have Kellyanne Conway saying that nobody in the mini- in the administration likes the policy, and we want it to end. It. I know. What are they saying? Well, the, the guy you're working for and and who's bidding you do has the extraordinary power to stop this cruelty immediately. Um, we have. Uh, I have not listened to this. Have you? ProPublica. Uh, I've I've heard enough of it to know that I wanted to walk out of the room. Okay, well, I'm sorry. If I I listen to any more of it, I mean, I haven't. Okay, I just want to. Listen, I I have not listened to it because I think I can't. But I want to play it. I think it's just about 18 seconds. It's not much. And there's a I guy's mean, voice. To make a man's milk come in. I'm just saying. There's a guy's. Uh, okay. There, there, there's a. Uh, you hear a border agent uh, say, "We have an orchestra here. We're just. Uh, we just need a conductor or something like that." Other than that, you are hearing the cries of children uh, separated from their mothers or fathers, and. Um, I want to I want to listen to it because on the drive-in, I was listening to a show, and a minister, of, and I'm sorry I don't know his name, but he had just heard this, and he said to listen to this is to be transported back to hear the sound of Dachau. To hear the sound of the slave trading posts in the uh, Confederacy as children are ripped from their parents' arms. To hear the sounds on uh, the western coast of Africa as people are pulled from there. And he, he says, this is the human sound of this kind of violent separation and throughout history this sound has been heard now it's our turn and it is happening in our time in our country bueno aquí tenemos una orquesta Okay, okay. Listen, I don't. Okay. I guess it goes. Is that what you'd been hearing? What? That. I'm not hearing anything. I just heard a long silence. Really? Okay, don't worry about mm-hmm. it. Then. Okay. It's screaming, sobbing children. And when I heard that minister say that, I thought, my God, that's absolutely correct. You know, that's right. It's what would be the difference? It's the same sound that a 
a poor child ripped from her mother's uh, arms. You know, I mean, in... there was a psychology experience, uh, experiment that was, you know, later decried. It was, it, it was testing the limits of maternal bonding, and they substituted, it was with monkeys, and they substituted for a mother, for right. the baby monkey, a barbed wire, mon- you know, shaped thing that they could, they'd have to, you know, get to to get any milk and 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 they would do it and and uh you know proving that 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 need for any sort of touch is more important than none and here what we're doing to these kids is it's that you know another rule that they enforce is that they may not be touched i know they may not be i know i know i i talked about that yesterday because i just it it made me crazy they cannot pick these children up and comfort them. That's, again, policy. Those are rules set by this administration. Um, The other thing... uh, Rules that one could imagine in a a totally different time might have been put in place to protect a child. Yes, exactly. From sexual assault, right? Right. Meanwhile... Right. Meanwhile, first of all... Not further traumatize them. Right. Meanwhile, speaking of sexual assault, I don't know if you saw the story. This is in Texas of a deputy sheriff who has been uh, taken into custody and charged with super aggravated sexual assault of a four-year-old child. The child was the child of an undocumented immigrant who was blackmailed by this sheriff deputy to stay quiet about his abuse of her child or he'd get her deported she finally decided being deported was preferable and ran to a fire station and begged for help now this brings up another aspect to the horribleness of the zero tolerance policy to think this is an unusual story undocumented immigrants in this country are being blackmailed terrorized all the time with this threat if you don't do this I'm turning you in if you don't do that I'm turning you in or knowing that there is crime going on if a person is being abused there they fear going to court because ice has been showing up in courtrooms and tell and 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 apprehending people who are going to our justice system for help some more um some men coming back from an AA meeting that they attend regularly were stopped in Pennsylvania by a state, state trooper and, um, and ended up in ICE custody. Uh, a judge in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, uh, asked to perform a wedding. Uh, the, the groom was from uh, Tajikistan. Uh, excused himself and uh, went and called ICE who showed up at this man's wedding and arrest handcuffed and arrested the groom and his best man 
Uh, this is what's happening. There are 11 million unauthorized immigrants in this country, and every past administration, as Susan pointed out, operating under the exact same law that is on the books now, has used its discretion in deciding who they will go after, who they will detain, who they will deport. And they targeted people who were a danger to our society, not the overwhelming number of these people who hold down jobs, who are a constructive part of our society. In other words, <laughs> there was a measure of humanity and discernment in the adjudicating of the law. Forget discernment, forget humanity under Sessions and Trump. It's now zero tolerance. Sessions proudly trotted this out about a month or so ago. And Trump refuses to stand by it in that he keeps insisting his hands are, are tied and that he is forced to do this because of the law which is, as usual, coming from him, a flat-out lie. Now, what are we going to do? I keep wondering when we're going to you know, show some. This has energized people again. There is an effort to uh, march. And the date, just want to put it in your head, is June 30th. There are plans for a march in Washington and other cities. So you don't have to go to Washington if you don't want to. Uh, I don't know who's organizing it here in uh, Pittsburgh. But there is an effort to get this up and moving. It is a march to decry uh, these actions of separating children from their parents. Um, I don't. I can't imagine that the vast majority of Americans should not be in the streets on June 30th. So just to say. Also, Ellen says there's a correction she wants to make. <laughs> Come, are you kidding? I didn't want listeners to have the wrong impression. Susan said it was barbed wire in the psychology department. Oh, experiment. Right. Okay. It, it, it was chicken wire. It was just, it was not warm and cuddly. It was not warm and cuddly. You're right. I'm, I mean, I'm... It wasn't know, barbed wire. I was right. being descriptive, not accurate. I apologize. Yes. Okay. I, if, as I recall the experiment, I think this was done at the University of Wisconsin. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, they also had... Uh, monkeys. They had some of the barbed wire uh, milk providers. Barbed. I mean, the chicken wire milk providers um, uh, have uh, like fur, uh, soft cloth covering the um, the chicken wire. Um, so I, I, they were trying to ascertain if that had a difference. If it, it, I, I can't remember the exact parameters of the experiment, but yes, it was it was done and. Uh, anyone with uh, uh and considered you know and considered so totally mean that you know and all the and they were only torturing you know what we consider to be lesser beings 
You know, and my point being that we're doing it to the kids. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Worse. David Brooks, who's always identified himself as a Republican, has uh, ended his column today talking about this by saying that the Republican Party is slowly losing its humanity. I would um, argue with that. <laughs> I don't think it's so slow, and I think it's not losing, it's lost. Exactly. That's what I would say, too. And um, also uh, Michelle Goldberg's first sentence in her piece today. Apparently there are some people close to Donald Trump with the capacity for shame. Not decency. Not courage, of course. But at least some furtive recognition that they're complicit in something vile. And she goes on to talk about, yes, Melania Trump's statement, Kellyanne Conway's statement, the statements of other Republican office holders uh, who decry this but will not stand up to the president by voting against him. Uh, yeah, uh, Milton, thank you as usual. Uh, families belong together, Pittsburgh, June 30th. Uh, it says we're rallying in Washington, D.C. Pittsburgh is rallying at Senator Toomey's office. That's a Saturday, June 30th. That's the Grant Building, which is on Grant Street, the main drag, downtown. And um, we'll tell you more as, as we learn more. But keep the date, noon. Noon, Saturday, June 30th, uh, on Grant Street, uh, in front of the Grant Building, where, of course, Senator Toomey's uh, office is. Okay? Thank you very much. Well, and signs better start saying, we won't forget and we will vote. Yes. Because people that were complicit in allowing this to go on for one second longer than, you know, the initial decision are all complicit, do not deserve to be in office, period. Can we take a little break here for a sec? Sure. I mean, just a break from this. Yeah. I want to just plug again that um, uh, people can come to see a live uh, taping of uh, Savage Love live at uh, the New Hazlet Theater. Uh, this Thursday, it's uh, actually going to benefit uh, AIDS-Free Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh City Paper is one of the hosts, and I will be emceeing the event. So Dan Savage, who uh, is a man of many talents, but also writes the Savage Love column in uh, the Pittsburgh City Paper. He's also a, an author. He's the founder of uh, the It Gets Better movement which I think has probably saved the lives of a lot of gay children in this country. Um, he, he's, he's an activist. You see him on TV all the time anyway. So uh, come one, come all. I think doors open at 6.30. Uh, show starts at 7.30. New Hazlet Theater. I just wanted to say that. Right, and if you don't care about Dan Savage, it's also an opportunity to see Lynn oh, Cullen. Oh, big, big deal. I mean, yeah. <laughs> see Lynn Cullen, you know, wondering, why am I here? Yeah. Why am I here? <laughs> I don't have sex anymore. Why am I here? 
I know, but isn't it I have a vague memory. I mean, that's my latest descriptive. I'm a post-mating feminist. (laughs) Well, it's never say never. I remember I once said, yeah, well, that's it for me, I guess, and then it wasn't. And, you know, it can happen, Susan. You just never know, I'm telling you. Okay. I'm I'm rather enjoying being a (laughs) post-mating feminist. (laughs) I understand. Um... Maybe I should ask him about that. Uh, Barbara writes, why does Trump have so much power? Is this looking like absolute power? What all the presidents could have forced on us and we've just never had to address this issue as we do now? Well, presidents have this much power when, uh, when, one, of the legisla- when one of the branches of government refuses to uh, do what it, the founding right. fathers when, thought when it would. one of the branches which is designed Abdicates. to be a check, refuses yeah. to act. Abdicates. That's what's happening here. Presidents have been held in check by the Congress and uh, often also by the Supreme Court. Now, <laughs> not so much. Uh, so there you have it. No, I want to, okay. The science section of the New York Times today, Susan, just have two little items here I want to throw in, just a little lighter. A question asked, why do so many people cross their legs when they sit? I do. Do you? When you sit. Um, Yes, and it's so bad for your back, but yes, I do. It's it's apparently, uh, if you're crossing your legs at the knee, yeah, that sort of increases your blood pressure. Just while you're doing it, I mean, it's not dangerous. And they say there's no health risks. No, it doesn't give you varicose veins. Uh, Varicose veins come uh, courtesy of your genetics, not what you're doing with your legs. Um, But I do, and and, and I I always do. I sit down and I cross my legs. And I mean, because I've got long legs, I always get annoyed when I'm at a table where I can't, you know, where the table's too low and I can't have my legs crossed under them. But they say their answer, the science section's answer to this is not what I would have thought. Because I would say it's because I find it comfortable. They say, while some people say they find it comfortable, in most cases, people cross their legs because of custom. Because they say men don't anywhere near as much as women. Because of custom etiquette or modesty well i think that's i think they're correct and but i disagree that men men don't they just do it differently and they do it to establish the outer limits of their personal space you know so while women cross their legs in such a way as to hide their privates and you know theoretically looking up one's skirts men do a man spread with their you know with their Foot on their on the thigh the and foot their on knee. the knee, right? The foot on the knee, right? And, and their knee and their you know knee perpendicular to the floor and and exposing their manhood, right. as it were. Well, I think I if I'm wearing pants, I'll sometimes sit like that. I'm I do sit immodestly if I'm wearing pants. I think why should me I? too? But the, yeah. so so the way you sit depends on how you're attired. Well, yeah. 
But but I try not to do it because it does cause me to um, scrunch one side down a little bit and stretch out one side a little bit, and that is bad for me. And and so, as my doctor pointed out, don't do that. But it's very hard. It is a lifelong habit. You know, I'm remembering uh, the, the picture I took of our dad that I love so much. It's just a picture of his legs um, because it's how I remember him because he he has a newspaper um, held up in front of him. He's sitting in a chair, and all you see is a newspaper and legs. And I, I love that picture. And his legs are crossed, and they're crossed as we cross them, as a woman would cross mm-hmm. them. So he, he was not a, I don't know, that shows that's comfort in that case, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I I just tend to do it to keep my limbs from flying all over the place. Okay. Well, it's okay, from anchor. legs, I have one more thing from the science section, from legs to noses. What mammal has the uh, the most prominent nose? Bill. <laughs> Susan has mentioned our brother. Oh, I've seen bigger <laughs> schnozolas than his. Jimmy Durante. No. <laughs> An ele- um, I'm I'm just trying to figure out what I think is a mammal or not. Uh, no, um, no, I don't know what elephant. Oh well, of course. No, <laughs> of course. Now that you think about it. Uh, hard to beat that elephant, because uh, that uh, trunk is its nose. And yeah. it, it's the only nose, as far as we knows, that, I mean, can you, like, pick up something with your nostrils? <laughs> I mean, think about it. No, but it's a neat trick. Well, you could. I mean, you could no. hold a napkin against your nostrils and inhale really hard and hold no. it there for a second. No, but that's using your hand, too, to hold. E- no. So the fact is, is And that I can hang a spoon off the I end of my nose. I know you can hang a spoon off the end of your nose. <laughs> but, you know, we our noses don't do half of what an elephant's nose does. And it's not surprising that, in fact, the mammal that has the most scent uh, receptors is the elephant, ladies and gentlemen, because that nose is so huge, filled with, so they also are believed to have the greatest sense of smell. And you don't think of elephants like that, but uh, there were reports, and they proved to be true, that in Angola, elephants in the wild were avoiding minefields. Because it was found they could smell TNT. And obviously they knew that that smell brought with it trouble. Uh, They also, this blew my mind, Uh, elephants could tell the difference by smell between two tribes in Kenya, the Maasai and the Kamba. And the Maasai traditionally killed them, speared them. The Kemba did not. 
So elephants use their sense of smell. If they could smell a Maasai anywhere, they left, went someplace else. They could literally tell the difference in the way a Maasai smelled than a Kemba smelled. Isn't that interesting? But that makes sense. I mean, our, no- our noses are trained to do that, theoretically. That's what pheromones are about. Yeah, but I mean, consciously we couldn't. I mean, unless somebody has a particular, you know. The fact is, humans, we don't like it if a human being smells anymore. Well, no, I mean, there was actually just this, this study that I was reading somewhere that says that if if uh, your partner, um, if, if the smell of your partner suddenly becomes distasteful to you, that becomes the end of the relationship. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and that which previously, yeah. you know, you found non-offensive becomes offensive, and it's on the level of smell, and it just dooms everything. So wash up, folks. <laughs> okay. Okay. So anyway, just remember, that trunk, it can do anything. I mean, it can. It's like an arm. It's, uh, wow. It's smelling. It can spray water, right? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I got hit in the head with a, one of those trunks once uh, when I was doing a story for Channel 4, and my God, that thing was heavy. I mean, I saw stars. I was stupidly standing right under an elephant whose trunk was up, and then it just decided to bring it down, and I got hit by that, you know, the part that is attached to the that big heavy part at the top, not the little part. And whoo! Ellen, uh, who called about the chicken wire, uh, who wrote about the chicken wire, uh, has said, you don't have to share this, but I am going to share it. She said Harry Harlow was the researcher who did the experiment. And I think that that was the University of Wisconsin. He concluded that the results demonstrated that it was contact comfort. It was the cloth-covered moms that was the basis on which babies formed an emotional attachment with their caregivers and not just being fed by a caregiver, the chicken wire mom. So the experiment, I mean, yes, they would take milk from both, but the poor souls, the poor monkeys that got the chicken wire moms were uh, did not grow up with a good emotional uh, health because they had missed that um, comfort, comfort comfort contact, the cloth, the soft comfort. And um, Ellen says, and, and his, his, as you said, you brought this up for the same reason. She says it just supports the cruelty of ripping children from their families that the Trump administration is in, inflicting. And, um, and then doubly not allowing the people charged with taking care of these kids to touch them. To give them any comfort. Right. Which is essential. Yeah. I mean, just essential. So you are seeing, I mean, in real time, we, the people, never forget that the government is we, the people, that we are now torturing and abusing children. As and, a, you know, and again, I just want to point out, if, you, if you're willing to dismiss it, hand over your kid to a total stranger for 24 hours. See how you feel. Who's not going to touch them or talk to them 
they'll throw a little food at them. By the way, uh, Rob Rogers, our late <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh Post Gazette, late of the of the. He's still he's alive he's and late anything no, else. he's alive and kicking. God bless him. And he has penned his first cartoon um, since uh, his his professional uh, you know leave taking here. And um, why can't I find it? Uh, it's about this, and uh, it's pretty. It's a child in a cage. It's a little child in a cage with Trump bending over, looking at the child, holding the key, by the way, to the cage, and saying, I guess, something that Trump would say, like, you know, I wish the Democrats wouldn't, you know, like something, denying any, uh, oh, no, he was saying, um, and then he mentioned something about lock. Hillary should be, you know, locked up to. I don't know. I can't remember the the exact punchline, but it was a, you know, classic Rob Rogers cartoon. I also want to say that even though I don't get the paper anymore, the um, I have seen coverage uh, via uh, WSA FM's uh, journalistic efforts that the newspaper guild employees at the Post-Gazette, the unionized employees, um, paid, this is what kills me, paid for a full-page advertisement in the paper today. Can you imagine? These people who, by the way, are getting paid crap because the Post-Gazette won't bargain in good faith with them. Uh, they took what little money they have and they bought a page in their own paper. And in it they show a picture of all of them standing by the river. So you get a sense of how many people uh, work for that paper uh, but who do not write editorials and um, aren't... Well, here it says this. The reporters, photographers, copy and web editors, artists, designers, and managers who work in the newsroom want to remind our readers who we are. We are independent, impartial journalists who work without interference or influence to provide our community with news that matters. It's not just a job to us. It's a calling. In these trying times, we believe local journalism is more important than ever. We hope you will continue to stand with us. Uh, and then there's a, a letter uh, signed by uh, David Shribman, the executive editor, and other man- managers, editorial managers. I don't mean editorial page. I mean reporting pages. And uh, they, the letter says, we present the, re- the results of work in the news pages. In doing so, we honor centuries of the best traditions. Like the newsroom union colleagues, the editors of the Post-Gazette are committed to the independent, impartial presentation of the news. In times of partisan strife, it's all the more important, blah, 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 blah. Um, And so what you have here on that page is pretty much most of the employees of the paper, including 
editors. It's the deputy managing editor, the managing editor, the executive editor, the senior assistant managing editor, the sports editor, and on and on and on. People who hold supervisory positions signing that letter uh, saying that uh, we do not, uh, you know, we are able to do our jobs without interference from the publisher. And I am guessing that this is a result of what I think must be um, an awful lot of cancellations. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, yeah. you know, I was only signed up for notifications and stuff, so that I, and I and I, unsub, I unsubscribed. Yeah, without. yeah. I think I think yeah. um, quite clearly they're saying don't uh, don't uh, kill us. Don't kill us. Um, and. T- a reporter who's been on this show, Paula Reed Ward, who's a fantastic reporter, um, has made. She was the one behind all of this, and she said, "There are committed journalists here working hard every day to uncover stories about our community. Canceling your subscription only hurts our ability as journalists to bring you the news. We're all frustrated by the recent changes happening on the editorial page." But we also know that the positions espoused there have nothing to do with the work done in our newsroom. And the vice president and general manager says, uh, we have a great deal of respect for our newsroom and management staff during this crisis. Now, that's the first time. Who created the crisis? Yes. It's not the readers, folks. I mean, I'm sorry that you have to beg for your jobs, but... This is like this is just like Mr. Trump. The only person that caused this is the, the yep. asshole who did it. Right. He did it. And you want uh, everybody to sign back up? Fire him. They, he owns it. He owns. Well, it. then I'd have like him to see them all walk out how to fix it. Well, why don't they all just? I don't understand. Why don't they walk out? What's he going to do? Fire. The entire staff? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Every subscriber's got to wrestle with this themselves. I just couldn't anymore. I'm sorry. I understand. I have friends in that picture. Um, I, I, I know an awful lot of the people at that paper. But I just... See, I I think it infects the news pages too, and I think to think other. Yeah, I don't. Why should you know? Why should anybody believe that? Right. First of all, well, I just want to say I was told, and I don't know. Um, I the front. I was told by someone who still works there that uh-huh. there is an edict that no New York Times or Washington Post article can be on the front page. Now. That the front page is not the editorial page. So if there's that kind of that kind of edict coming there's down, there's still an editor deciding what gets printed and what doesn't, and whether anybody's given story is interfered with has nothing to do with overall what stories appear. Yeah. So. I, I wanted to to note it. There's something so cruel about the fact that they have to buy. So they actually I, a full page ad costs some money, 
And that money yeah. went right into the pockets of that SOB who owns it, the Trump-loving John Robinson block. Well, maybe they got a friends and family, right? I doubt it. Anyway, Milton, thanks. How many times a show do I say that? He sent me Rob's cartoon, which I just can't find here. It's a little girl in a cage. Trump's bending over, looking at her, holding the key in his hand, but of course not opening it, and saying, Trump's saying, this is tragic. It should be Hillary in there. That's it. It's the locker up. Goodbye to it. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I wanted to um, also uh, sort of uh, local. Um, uh, John Fetterman, who is, uh, I don't, do you know who he is, Susan? Have you ever seen this big, huge, he's six foot eight, bald, tattooed? He's the Democratic candidate for lieutenant governor of the state. He doesn't look like any no, candidate you've no, ever seen. Yeah. He's been on, you know, shows, uh, TV shows, because he's such a unusual character. Um, uh, Harvard-educated, uh, mayor of one of the uh, hardest-hit steel towns in, in this area, Braddock, Pennsylvania, uh, which is used to have 20,000 people with good middle-class jobs, now has 2,000 people and homes crumbling. You know, it's just, it's just a, a ghost town. And he lives there. And he's done some he's done some positive stuff, but it's still pretty much a ghost town. And um I have not necessarily been a cheerleader of his and I finally had an opportunity to introduce myself to him uh last week. It was at a Planned Parenthood event I saw him. And I walked over to him and I I said, I just wanted to introduce myself, Lynn Cullen, and his face just went to stone. And I pretended not to notice and I said, I know I've been sort of hard on you, but I want you to know I'm, I'm, uh, I will be supporting you in the lieutenant governor race. And then I made some kind of a joke about what he was going to wear to work if he got the job because he almost always just wears, you know, shorts and a in a t-shirt. I mean, he never. Right. right. Gets, and he just looked at me, <laughs> and there was like this part of his um, jaw was like going, you know, twitching. Yeah. He, you know he was what I mean? Trying not to belt you in the face. I think. And he just walked away. Well, so and, don't vote for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still voting for the SOB. But I wanted to say that, boy, did he get a puff piece huge in the Washington Post today. Um, and it is entitled, The Ballad of Big John Fetterman. Uh, and the subtitle is, Democrats Yearn for a Folk Hero. But will they vote for one? And so it's, can a guy who looks like this, uh, you know, whatever. So he got a big, he gets a lot of press. God knows he knows how to get press. And his instincts are generally pretty damn good. 
So, of course, I'll vote for well, him. Well, he, uh, he doesn't have to like. The big tough guy needs to develop a little bit thicker skin. Yeah, I would, I would argue that as well. I mean, for a big, huge guy. By the way, the article points out he's lost over a hundred pounds. He did seem a bit diminished when I met him the other day, but my God, he still has to weigh about three hundred and fifty. I mean, Susan, he's six foot eight. He's huge. Wow. Anyway. So, just wanted to say well, that. Well, you're fearless, Lynn. Ha! <laughs> Jeez. First, first you first you sit around poking the not sleeping giant, and then you go up and hold out your hand and introduce yourself to him. <laughs> well, I thought I should because I mean I talk about Absolutely. him, and I, yeah, and I apparently nothing personal. No, but yeah. But I, I have said some very negative things about him, but um, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like when I say negative things like about, say, Sarah Huckabee. I mean those personally. Yeah. Well, this is one of the uncomfortable things about my job, because I do uh, think on occasion I speak truth to power. But if you're doing it at a local level, and uh, then you bump into that power at events. <laughs> at parties and so you know you've just said something awful about the mayor or the county executive and then bango oh hi how you doing so it it's uncomfortable yeah sure it is but it's the job for both of you right so anyway yeah he needs a thicker skin god knows my god after he walked away i some of my friends were witnessed it and i turned to them and they said my god what did you say to him i said i i said hello essentially <laughs> and i i have said i was sorry uh if i've uh, you know offended him in the past but that i was supporting him and man jesus so there is a, another story that i really want to get out there today susan it's it's unbelievable you know the Koch brothers remember them Oh, yeah. I oh. heard one one is retiring from yeah. buying politicians. Yeah, because he's not feeling well. But the Koch oh. brothers have so much money, and what they have done is they use it, of course, to influence government at the highest levels. Now, they are appalled by Donald Trump, apparently. And um, so they you don't hear them uh, as much about them on the national stage now. And the story in the New York Times today, which will not see the front page of the uh, Post-Gazette, is a story that should chill uh, the blood because it talks about how the Cokes have, like, the most sophisticated, uh, high-tech data service. It's called 1360. Oh, no, I-360. I can't even see. Um... They know exactly how voters vote in every city in this country. They know exactly how to, tar- you know, uh, campaigns do this too, but they say theirs is more sophisticated than even like the presidential campaigns had. And they concern themselves now with local issues, statewide issues and local issues. And they talk specifically about a ballot referendum in Nashville that was that was to um, raise a, t- a certain tax so that they could build 
better, uh, excuse me, uh, why am I, mass transit system. A better mass transit system. Because if you live in Nashville, you're sitting in traffic all the time. And city, the corporations in town were for it. The uh, Better Business Bureau there, the, the, the Chamber of Commerce was for it. The mayor was behind it. Everybody was for it. Everybody saw it was going to, um, uh, you know, win overwhelmingly because the people wanted it. And the Cokes came in and they pay people. They go door to door and it got trounced. The city was stunned. It was a landslide victory for the anti-public transit camp. Now, guess what? Guess what the Cokes make a ton of money doing? They uh, Selling uh, fossil fuels to people to run their cars? They are a major producer of gasoline and of asphalt... And they also make seat belts, tires, and other automotive parts. It's always against tax increases, except when taxes are increased for money spent on highways and roads. So they are now doing this, casting it as an anti-tax thing. When they were doing it to line their own, to you know, to line their own pockets, and they have done this in other cities. It says they have uh, beaten back efforts in Phoenix, in Utah, in Tennessee, and almost everywhere they go, they win because they outspend any local schmoes with advertising, with door to door, all that kind of stuff. Isn't that something? It's just, there are so many horrible human beings in this world, and a whole lot of them are rich. I'll tell you that right now. Little Tony says, if you hadn't said his name, I would have thought you were talking about Daryl Medcalf. Oh, that he was so thin-skinned. Although I didn't vote for Fetterman in the primary because he's the reason we have Toomey. That's what I think. I was going to vote for him in November. I think I'll leave that ballot blank. You know, don't. I'm voting for him. We don't want any. We've got to get Republicans yeah, out of office. You can't it. use any kind of. I, look, he. I should be the one. Is, Lynn's a big girl. She can. She yeah, can yeah, take yeah. it if he doesn't want to talk. Exactly. To exactly. I'm voting for him. I told him I was, and I'm going to. I'm not as thin-skinned as he is. So vote for him. Anybody, but somebody with an R, and don't sit out. Don't not vote for somebody with a D. That vote, vote. is a vote. Vote for him. Vote for him. Do we have a caller? I'm sorry. Caller, are you there? You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. It's okay. Roger from Bellevue. Hi, Roger. Not Rob Rogers. Yeah, no, I know. It's okay. <laughs> Hello. Hey, um, your your experience with Fetterman? Yeah. Um, was it? Do you think it was really because of things you said, or do you think there's a little? Is there misogyny within that man as well? No, I don't think it would be misogyny. No, why would it be? No. 
It was because of who I was. It was because I'm a person who's been, who says things about him he doesn't like, and I suppose people have told him that. Oh, okay. I I just, I mean, living in Pittsburgh for since the early '90s, I still am surprised at the amount of you know anti-woman sentiment that's out there, mostly on the Republican side, but I see it on the Democratic side too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just curious if that played into it at all no i I really don't no i don't think so and um i i really uh not at all not at all okay he just he and and as far as i'm sorry go ahead oh and as far as the Koch brothers i mean isn't that pretty much i mean bernie's been saying it for years now we are a plutocracy Mm -hmm. i mean we are a government for the rich now by the rich Mm -hmm. and i'm you know, uh, with the way things are happening with media, in increasing consolidation, areas, yeah, and well, oh, it's just and no, we're in big trouble. We're in big, big trouble. I mean, how do how do you how do we change? You said it before; it's a civil war between urban versus rural, and I don't know how you get out there and change the world unless things just start sucking so bad for them. They just say. I'll try anything now. I mean, things have been pretty sucky for them for a long time. Yeah, but and they, they keep going in the wrong I know, direction. I know, I know. You well because their animosity toward urban elites and liberals uh, trumps their self-interest. I mean, it's just it, cutting off your nose to spite your face. I don't know. It's beyond me. I think I have another caller, so I gotta jump off. Roger, thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye. You're Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Hello, caller. Hey, Lance. Mike in D.C. Hi, Mike. I'll be brief. I know you're into the show, and yeah. this is not meant as an insult, even if it sounds like one. But are you really that famous that he knows everything you say bad about him? I mean, I listen to your show every day, but is there somebody in his orbit that listens and said, listen to what Colin said about you today? I would think so because I've said it a lot, and I've also said it off the show. I've said it to uh, Rich Fitzgerald, the county executive. I've said it to uh, Bill Peduto. I have said it to, you know, big Democratic office holders who very well might have said something to him. Or somebody who listens to the show who also likes him said, you, you know, Lynn Cullen is really trashing you. Yeah, it happened. It you had to have. It, yeah, well, it had to have happened because there was no. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, he, why would he be, you know, treating her that way? I got to tell you, the minute I said my name, his face. <laughs> hard. Was there any joy in that, or were you? Did you no, I actually, I well, I, I no, I just took it in. I thought, oh wow. And that's why I then said I'm sorry. I've said some not very nice things about you in the past, but I want you to know I'm supporting you. That's what I said for Lieutenant Governor. And then he sort of grunted. I don't know if he said anything. And then I said, "What?" Um, I came up. So, what you going to wear to the office if you win? And he walked away. That was the extent of our conversation. Well, maybe we're glad. You know, it doesn't matter. But if he's not strong enough to handle you, what's going to happen when he gets up against 
know. you know, somebody saying really horrible things. Yeah. You didn't say horrible things about him, just that he rigged the election. He can't handle that. <laughs> I you said know what he, I, mean? I said he cost uh, the election. Yeah, he gave us to me for six more years. And I've also uh, jumped on him for uh, constantly showing his beautiful little children on uh, Twitter, which I just don't think is a wise thing for a public person to do. It's not a wise thing for anybody to do if you want to know the truth. And I have, that's what I've done, and I've said that. I mean, he's so proud of them, you can tell he's just... you know, he's a big, I got to tell you, he's a big, ugly man. And he, uh, th- his wife is this beautiful uh, woman who uh, sent him a letter because she'd read about him and sent him a letter saying, you know, how she'd like to help him or work for him. And bango, that's how he got his wife, by being this, you know, John Fetterman. And I don't think he's often said, I can't believe my luck. How did I get this beautiful woman and these beautiful children? So he feels that. He's not a bad man. I just think he needs to smarten up about and toughen up. But I don't think he should use his kids so publicly. I, I, and I know it's coming from a good place, but he's smart enough to know it's not, not wise. So I've said that, too, and maybe he's more angry at that. I don't know. I don't know. Well, he could be a man and say, hey, Colin, I don't like what you say about my kids on the air. You know what I mean? Yeah. He could be a man and say why he was upset. Right. Not just stalk away like a child. Yeah. If he's going to succeed in that business, he's going to have to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Right. Well, you know, the Washington Post article says that he seems a little uncomfortable in and that he doesn't make eye contact very well. I think that the article said something like that. I thought, "Oh." So I was reading I mean, he really he just might be just socially very awkward. I don't know, but that's an odd That's what we need in the government. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you. I'm out of time. A real man of the day. people. <laughs> okay, goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. And, uh, wait, just a quick, Ed Grant's writing, was at a theater event recently where Fetterman uh, attended. He walked in just before the curtain and walked through the audience to his seat. People were congratulating him for his recent win. He looked extremely uncomfortable. How is that going to attract votes? I think, yeah, he is uncomfortable. Who knows? Well, whatever. We'll see. I want him to win. I want him as the lieutenant governor. I'm telling you. Okay, Suze, thank you. Yeah. As, as per usual. Okay? Thanks very much. Okay. Okay. Bye. Talk soon. Bye. Bye bye. And you guys see you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from ten AM to eleven AM and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.